0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The MEND, a podcast to learn about survivors and support for victims and survivors of crimes sponsored through the Center for Crime Victim Services. I am Anna Nasset, and I will be your host of this bi-monthly podcast and show. Today I have my co-host, Dolly Parton, the three-legged chihuahua, sitting next to me as I record from home. And I'm delighted to have back on the show today, Kira Cryer from the Center for Crime Victim Services to talk about mental health for survivors and victims of violence during this time in our country of the COVID-19 pandemic. This show was created to take a deeper look at services, organizations, and concepts for victims and survivors of crime. We want to always acknowledge our healing process and provide resources, not only in our state of Vermont, but throughout the country that could benefit victims and survivors in crime as they mend. And today, we're going to be looking a little bit more at immediate needs and resources. As always, I like to begin with a trigger warning. Our goal is to create a safe place to discuss topics of healing. But with that in mind, we may occasionally hear a story related to crime, discuss our own mental health, or have sensitive subject matter. We urge you to listen at your own discretion. So today, I'm delighted to have Kira Cryer here. Uh, Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you,
0: Anna, for having me. Yes. Uh, Kira is the Human Trafficking Victim Service Director at the Center for Crime Victim Services and was on the show previously to discuss her work in the human trafficking field. But today, we have Kira here putting on her other hat as a um, therapist who specializes in working with victims and survivors of domestic and sexual violence. So thank you for being here to discuss this matter during this very important time. Um, to start off, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about your work in this field so they get a better sense of who you are?
1: Sure, sure. Um, so I'm a licensed uh, clinical social worker and I have been a uh, social worker for, um, oh geez, over 20 years now. And I began this work at the Department of Children and Families in, a, in a, outside of Philadelphia area. And that was really my entryway into child abuse and domestic violence. And, um, and so that was really my onset of really understanding the dynamics of the power and control. And from there, just uh, my, my calling really has just ended with the domestic violence, sexual violence movement. And when I moved here to Vermont, I started working for the Clarina Howard Nichols Center and um which is a vermont network program for domestic violence and sexual violence and um there i began to do court advocacy and i was an awake overnight uh night manager for a while and really uh, started to understand the dynamics uh, that come along with domestic violence and sexual violence and through the years have been committed to ending domestic violence sexual violence and spreading awareness around that I'm a survivor, so I speak not just from my expertise in book knowledge and research, but also my own personal experience uh, and within my own family, um, how how that's impacted, how domestic violence, sexual violence has impacted um, our lives. So uh, about 20 years of doing this, and probably, uh, hopefully 20 more, I really enjoy private practice. Uh, it gives me a sense of, um, just personal personal satisfaction and soul work. It's meeting someone where they're at and seeing their struggle and knowing, remembering what that felt like at one point and helping someone find the light uh, and get to a place where they really are feeling good and confident. And even though something has impacted their lives that they can use that as a catalyst to move forward. So um, awesome. So I continue to do that part-time outside of uh, my job through the center.
0: Awesome. I love hearing your story and just all of your wealth of knowledge that you bring to so many people here in Vermont. And um, I'm just so grateful for the work that you're doing. And, you know, like me, it's like we, we take these traumas and all of this, you know, this being a survivor and have really turned it into our life's work. And thank you so much for sharing today with that. Um, so yeah, let's dig in because we've got some heavy subject matter to cover with you all today. And we really wanna today be talking about during this pandemic that we're all experiencing, what it looks like for lots of different people who are stuck at home and who are quarantined at home, for people who are currently in a domestic violent situation what resources we can be looking at for them, for people like you or I, who is a survivor, but at home and maybe feeling lonely and isolated and all of these triggers coming up. And even for people who are grieving, who maybe have recently lost a family member, maybe lost a family member to this pandemic. And what are the different things we can be looking at for all of these different people, as well as people who are just feeling really isolated and alone? So that's what we're gonna be looking at today. And so I guess my first question would be, working with victims and survivors of domestic and sexual violence, what are some of the barriers and hurdles that you see for people during times of normalcy? Um, Not during this pandemic, but just before we were all being told to stay home.
1: Uh, That's a great question. I think safe housing, safety and safe housing are, Barriers that we continue to struggle with, uh, you know, I'm sure. It, I'm sure it's similar in other other states, but it really feels like in Vermont we have this housing crisis, affordable housing crisis, and so in all times that is something on the forefront. Safe housing, safety, the financial stress um, to live here in Vermont is very expensive. It does not. Someone, the average person who makes minimum wage cannot actually afford to live in our metropolitan areas, uh, you know, Burlington and Montpelier. So those. Or even financial in our rural areas. Right, right. Or the rural areas, right. Um, it, I think that financial stress, I think being believed is. That's what's like coming into my head right now is like, it's really. Even with the Me Too movement, it's really difficult for people to understand the dynamics of domestic violence and sexual violence, and and that love is a component sometimes, and sometimes that makes it really difficult to leave um, because you believe someone who loves you is telling the truth and isn't going to harm you again. And so those are, you know, with with housing and safety and financial stress. I would say also being believed and supported is is a struggle.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I know from my own experience of moving here, um, having a super lack of housing and never being truly homeless as far as sleeping in my car, but not having a home for months and finding different house-sitting gigs and living out of, you know, all of my clothes were in trash bags in my car. And And I was very fortunate that I was able to find shelter, but it is such a struggle and Mm -hmm. such a struggle to, yeah, pay for housing and to find safe housing is a huge, huge thing in a normal time. And then we shift to looking at times like we're in right now. Um, What are, I mean, what are the barriers, the emotions that you are seeing that are surfacing during this time of quarantine, where there isn't an ability to find safe housing, there isn't an ability to have financial freedom. Um, What are some of the different things that are coming up that you're addressing?
1: So first I want to say, I've seen some amazing resilience, some amazing resilience. Um, People amaze me every day with what they'll do to survive. And this, The pandemic is no exception of what people will do to survive. Um, But I think, you know, feeling more overwhelmed, that hyper arousal, you know, when um, so all of us are in that hyper aroused state right now because of what's happening. And what that means is that our fight, flight, freeze response is elevated all the time because we're we're isolated and we're told that we can't go places or or do things. And so that's at an even higher level for some. I would say anxiety, fear, uh, those are more heightened during this, during this time. And um, I'm also really want to say, I've been amazed at the strategic planning that victims are able to do when, when their brains are hyper aroused. It really gives me more information around people who have experienced trauma when other trauma comes in, they have a level of, of getting through stuff that's way different than people who have not experienced trauma in the past. So, people who have not experienced trauma in the past and are going through this pandemic are um, experiencing things for the first time, maybe in a new way. So, that might be, you know, they're having anxiety for the first time, or they're feeling very different, or they're nervous, or they're anxious about certain things. Where people who have been traumatized in their life are are actually a little bit calmer. Because this We've is got where, this. Right. They've got yeah. this. This is, not, this is not a new thing for them. So that yeah. has really struck me during this time on top of those other uh, fears and hypervigilance that, of course, we're seeing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I feel the same way, you know, as somebody who it's like, I've lived in fear for most of my life and especially the last 10 years um, of being stalked, like I was in constant fear and trauma. And now we've had justice. I've had six months since the sentencing of my trial. But you know, when all of this started, I'm like, why do I feel so calm in a weird way? Like, I'm used to living in trauma and fear, and now it's not necessarily, I'm in a very safe place. Um, and so now it's not necessarily trauma and fear for myself, I fear for all those around Mm -hmm. me and for their safety. Um, but yeah, I definitely can, you know, definitely relate to that and talking to others who are survivors of just being like, oh yeah, there's something about this that strangely makes sense to us. Um, (laughs) and I don't, I mean, I know that's not for everyone who's a survivor, but that's just how I felt. So, yeah. Me too. And
1: I, I recognized, um, pretty early on that, I had a calmness that some some other people around me did not have. And and so I clued right away clued into like, oh, I've lived here before. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> In that um, hyper awareness zone, which which prepares and is able to provide us with resiliency and calmness that not everybody else might be having at the same time.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And yeah, talking to my own therapist about that, he he's resonated some of the same things to me of people who have like you know lived in countries where there's war um who you know now live here and they're like oh yes i'm used to living in this type of fear and it's it's fairly interesting but i don't think that's the same for everyone who's a survivor as i said so let's start to break down a couple different groups that we're looking at right Mm now um for survivors who are quarantined alone um so, you know, someone who is just isolated, they're not in harm's way at all, but they're still feeling really isolated, triggered, um, feeling, you know, past trauma coming up and resurface. What are some tips, advice that you would like to offer them or give them to be able to find peace during this time?
1: So first, I'm gonna say probably seems simplistic, but I do want to say this: like you are not alone. You are not alone, and one of the things that I am noticing with with people who have depression is that they're sinking in to that depression because they feel alone, and they and we are not alone. You are not alone in this, and. Um, some helpful tips uh, would be at mindfulness. So what does mindfulness, and we throw that word around a lot. So I'm just going to tell you what I believe mindfulness is. So awesome. mindfulness is um, for me um, and everybody has a different way of practicing and certainly look into it, do research. But mindfulness for me is shutting off all the computers, the cell phones, spending some time in silence. Now, if that silence it feels dangerous for you or scary, then go to YouTube and look up a a guided meditation, right? And play that music down and just sit with yourself and allow your thoughts to empty out or follow the words of the guided meditation. Mindfulness is becoming balanced and clear within yourself. And when we're hypervigilant, so when we're like this and we feel that stress and anxiety, it is so important for us to reset our bodies. So resetting means really thinking and um, diving deep into emptying out the thoughts. I start personally, I start with the word blackness, 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 blackness. And I just think about that word over and over and over again until my brain creates blackness and everything floats out. So for a lot of people, that's meditation is mindfulness, um, you know, going inward and again, this is my version of what mindfulness, it includes meditation, that guided meditation or um, doing some self um, self guidance. You can, you can direct write. So direct writing is go- taking the pen to a piece of paper and just writing down whatever comes out of your head, not thinking just whatever comes, it could be the sky is purple today. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter, just start writing whatever you want. Directed writing is also a meditative practice. It really helps clear out whatever you're thinking about, and it could be that, um, you know, that your anxiety comes out on paper. Of like, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. The other piece to that, the directed writing that I really like for my for myself, is since we're all home and we have this capability, is after you're writing it, if it is anxiety written, to light it on fire and and dispose of it because it's putting, it's taking it out of the universe. And that's something that I really do believe in. I believe that if we're putting all that stuff into a, a document, if we burn it, then we're releasing it into the universe of like, Please take care of this for me. So some other things would be uh, movement, movement, therapy, I, I'm a bit, I'm a yogi, you know, I am a 200 hour yoga uh, practitioner. So. I think that everybody, everybody can do yoga, literally Mm -hmm. everybody, we can do it right now, but it's not what people think it is. You know, oftentimes people think like, Oh, I'm not that, or, you know, I don't have that yoga body or whatever. It's like the same thing we do with runners. Like we don't have a water body or, you know, that type of thing. And you can totally do
0: that. I'm absolutely like, I'm like, I can't do yoga. I'm like, maybe I could now because I'd be doing it from home and nobody would see that. I don't have a yoga body. Like that exactly. has put something in my head. I'm like, that exactly. would be the time to actually do it because I
1: don't have to worry about my insecurities. Okay, well let's do some yoga right now. Okay. okay. So I want you to take a nice inhale through your nostrils. Inhale through your nostrils, exhale through your mouth. Inhale through your nostrils. exhale through your mouth. And last time, inhale through your nostril, exhale through your mouth. That's yogic breath. It's just breath work. There you go. You just did it. I just did yoga,
0: people. You just did yoga.
1: The <laughs> sky yoga. is purple today. The sky <laughs> is purple. <laughs> All sorts of, but the movement piece of yoga, the asana practice, the practice of movement, people can do it. You can do it in a chair. You can sit here. You can open up your arms here. This. It's very easy to do. Movement creates the increase of dopamine, right? And dopamine is what people are searching for to feel better, right? That's what helps them feel less depressed. It's what they're searching for when um, people are using drugs and alcohol, they're searching for that feeling, right? So movement naturally creates the dopamine in our brains, it raises that level, then we start to feel better. So as simple as walking, Right. You can walk outside, take the pets, right? Because pets are being affected too, because we're all of a sudden we're in we're in their space all the time now. Take the pets for a walk, um, do some yoga breathing, directed writing. Um so talk to people, don't isolate, right? Do not isolate. So we are isolated, right? And there's a difference. I'm going to explain what I mean by that. There's I we're isolated. For safety. But that doesn't mean we have to isolate ourselves from humans, right? Exactly. Or, or we can still do this like the zoom, um, which I've done with my family, we call it happy hour on Saturdays, 4pm. We, My whole family, because I'm not from here, we get together on zoom and talk and it, and laugh and just spend some time. I daily text with a few of my friends to check in see how they're doing. I have gotten into the practice when we're walking to waving to people and saying, hi, I've, I, I have never seen some of these people before, before. I've never seen so many people walking. I know it's great. I haven't, these people must live in my neighborhood cause they're walking by my house. You know, right? I live a little bit out there and it, you know, so they must live nearby cause I, I'm seeing them now, but I've never seen them before. So waving, saying hello, asking how your neighbors are doing from a distance making sure that you get outside and move your body. It's really easy to say, well, I don't have to go to work today or I can work in my pajamas, in my bed from work. And that is not a good practice. Really making a schedule for ourselves to get up, get showered every day we get up um, here at the house. And people may think this is, everybody has to find their own rhythm. But for us, 8.30 is the meeting time. Like we're all showered and dressed for the day. And then we meet for breakfast at 8.30. And then we're going to, then we talk about what the plan is for the day. Like how many hours does mommy have to work? (laughs) You know, what can you guys do while mommy is on a Zoom call or something like that? And then we regroup at noon, all have lunch together. And then typically we go for a walk or do something. But we've set up ping pong in the basement, you know, something because it's been rainy and cold too. But making sure that you're actively engaging with someone at least three times a day. Yep. That is for your own mental wellness. That's to accru- keep your brain flowing and and keeping that connection going.
0: I love it. I mean, I can attest for myself of, you know, I've worked from home for a while and be, having that structure, taking that shower, doing those things is really sets the tone for my day. And when I don't, I see that I'm not productive. I mean, it is a time where like we're not as productive as we would be. Because our brains just, there's so much happening and so much stress going on. But, um, you know, and I also like where I live out in the country, I've turned my deck into a catwalk and I prance down my catwalk. Um, And then I also go walking, which I I love sharing this with people because for the last 10 years of being stalked, I haven't felt safe walking alone. Mm
1: -hmm. Just haven't
0: felt safe doing it. Um, even if the offender was thousands of miles away, it was still a huge, huge fear of mine, a huge trigger for me. I just couldn't do it. Well, for some reason, the last three weeks, I've been walking alone. Not only have I been walking alone, I've been walking alone and listening to music, which is like a whole nother level for me. I mean, I only put one earbud in because I still want to be able to hear what's around me. But like, for me to be doing that is such a huge breakthrough. Um, and so, I mean, that's something that I would offer to people if you're isolated alone, if you're, you know, with family and you're a survivor, I am like, with nonviolent family and you're a survivor, just to to really celebrate these little breakthroughs that might come to you. Because, yeah, that's, like, been 10 years in the making. And I just can't, and I love to speed walk as well. And so I'm out there walking, like I'm 85 years old, shaking my bum, um, walking down the roads, and I don't, like, I, it brings me joy. And I just love that I've come back to this place of doing something that I enjoy that's good for me.
1: Right. You know, the other, um, if people know about it, it, the other skill that I highly recommend is tapping. It's emotional freedom technique. Uh, tapping it's very easy you can look it up online um I, my parents taught it to me my uh, father taught it in a seventh like i was young so it's a practice of tapping pressure points emotional freedom technique and this and the statement is even though so it, even though i feel anxious i lovingly and completely accept myself and even if you start with that statement and don't know anything about tapping that's my gift to you i just gave you you can just say to yourself even though I feel anxious, I lovingly and completely accept myself and just go with that each day, um, multiple times a day to like, remind yourself, like, even though this is this, you know, or um, I still love my I love myself, and I'm gonna keep working through it, you know, keeping up with those positive affirmations. A lot of times in times like this, where when um, the world is activated and vibrating differently, I think it's really hard for people to remember those key things, like, I'm okay. (laughs) I'm okay. I'm
0: okay, yeah, yeah I am absolutely. lovable,
1: I am great, I am beautiful. Like these simple things that really enhance, just enhance our our brains.
0: Absolutely, I think that's really important. And I think like when, for myself, like when I do start to feel lonely, when I do get really down, um, you know, I was supposed to be traveling the next six weeks speaking and it just was, you know, so devastating to have that canceled. And I felt, you know, so like, oh, I failed. I'm like, no, I didn't fail. There's nothing I could have done. Um, or when I do feel really lonely, like one thing that really brings me back in is that everyone is feeling this. And there's a connection when we're all feeling the same thing right now that's really um, comforted me in a way and made me feel closer and connected even when I'm alone. Does that make sense? Yes.
1: Yeah. And the more people need to realize that, that collectively as alone, we're not alone.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, that for me has been really helpful. And, um, you know, when I talk to my mom who she's, she's isolated alone in Ohio and my father passed away a couple of years ago and, you know, we talk about grief and things like that. And, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, I think for all of us, it's been a real connector. Um, yeah, could you speak at all? I do want to touch into grief before we kind of no. go on to our next section, but for people who are grieving loss right now, um, maybe it was, you know, a death of a partner before this pandemic. Maybe they've lost somebody to COVID-19 and they are feeling alone. Um, yeah, speaking to my mom, one of her friends just lost their spouse and suddenly they're in their house and their spouse isn't there. Um, so could you speak a little bit to, to grief during this time?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I'm so glad that you brought this up because there's, first of all, there's eight stages of grieving and then, um, and they, they never happen in, in order, right? You can go from anger to denial, to bargaining, bargaining is like, please God, I'll do anything to make this, you know, be different, um you know into hope <laughs> all in one day you could do that you know yeah um this isn't just grief about uh, for me that uh, what i've been thinking about is not only the people who have just lost someone uh, whether it's covid related or not uh, that that aloneness that you were already feeling is now even more so and also There is this dynamic, this just happened in my own family where my aunt um, went into the hospital and nobody could go with her. Yeah. right. She, so there was this fear and this grief around like, oh my gosh, what first, what if, right? What if she has this? And also we can't even see her. And at that same exact time, uh, a coworker of my mom's lost her mother and they had to stand outside the, the, the um, uh, hospice, I couldn't think of it, the hospice windows. Like they were outside watching their mother die on the inside, right? This is, this is mm. like, so yes to the Greek, we, oh, we have to hold each other with so much love right now. And that's another thing that whatever your religious preference or non-preference is quite frankly, Just sending energy out to the universe, I call it prayer. Send out what you can to the universe. Because when my mom told me that story, I could not imagine not being by my mother's side if something was happening. I could not imagine. And that is happening because people are still dying, not of COVID, of other things, right? And they're alone in that process. And that shakes up people's systems too in a different way that's a different way of grieving that none of us are going to be able to say like i understand i once was a no like no <laughs> we're not going to understand that we're not going to understand that we could that someone was not by their side you know so understanding that uh and having compassion for people through the grieving process because it's really all over the place um it, i I have this great sketch at my office that of grief and it looks like, you know, a bunch of scribble marks because that's what it is. It's like all these books tell us that the grief process is like this beautiful thing. And like, and then you get to hope and everything. <laughs> amazing. No, it is so different for every single person. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the exact opposite of that where it's like a total... Uh, You know, it's a total, I'm trying not to curse. So it's a total mess. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's a total mess of what people are feeling and to just honor that process and meet people where they're at, right? This is something that um, I really try. I say, I probably say it too much in my yoga classes, like meet yourself where you're at. Don't push beyond. But also for us as compassionate humans, meet people where they're at and understand that if in this moment they're they're crying about someone that they lost, even if you have this idea in your head, they should be over it, because that happens a lot with grief. People yep. don't know until they've experienced, you don't get over it. So, you know, have some compassion and, um, and some empathy for what it must feel like to be alone in your grief process, alone, alone, right? Yeah. And absolutely. also- yeah, acknowledging that people are experiencing the grieving process in a way different way than uh, that none of us uh, could can really understand.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with all of that. And thank you for sharing on that. Um, yeah, and I think, I mean, one thing for me is like, just whenever this all started, the 16th of March is the anniversary of my father's death. And it was like the same day that I lost all of my gigs, like I, oh. my whole world changed that day. Um, and, you know, it was also a really profound day of, you know, the loss of my father. And so five years later, that loss felt so huge this year because it was combined with all this other loss and other years I've been fine. Um, and, you know, I just allow myself to, if I need to have a pity party, I let myself have a pity party for 10, 20 minutes and then I move on, but I really allow myself to, to feel what I need to feel and not to be like, Oh, you have to push this aside. You're okay. It's like, yeah, if you want to be down, be down. Um, but I try and really give myself the, the, the time within that.
1: Yeah. Good. It's important. Um,
0: it is. Yeah. Um, so I do want to kind of shift to the last group we want to talk about. And that is people who are currently quarantined with a violent partner in an abusive situation. Um, on my last session with Karen Tronsgard Scott we talked about resources here in the state and nationally and so what I'd like to do is talk to you more about what you could offer people who are in a violent situation right now in this time when they might not be able to access safe housing and things of that nature. Um, We do know that our law enforcement is responding, we know that our shelters are open which is amazing yeah. But just from that mental health place, what you could offer or suggest to people.
1: Yeah. So um, number one is you're going to survive, right? And one thing that I do suggest also is music. And because when I say I will survive, it always makes me think of Gloria Gaynor and the I will survive, you know, maybe repeat that song. You're going to survive because you have been, right? Yep. This has not changed your resiliency. You're gonna continue to survive. Make a safety plan for yourself in your head, right? It's not not safe, usually it's not safe to write down a safety plan when you're living with your abuser, but write down what, you know, or think about in your head what you might do to keep yourself safe or what you're not willing to put up with anymore, right? That catalog that in a safe place that you can access and nobody else can. Of what are you not willing to do anymore, and how can you keep yourself safe? So sometimes that means taking taking an evaluation of self, which can be hard. Of okay, what do I do do to be the utmost the utmost safe, right? Or to keep my children safe and myself safe? And you may be compromising pieces of yourself of that, and I. That for me is the hardest thing to think about with domestic violence and child abuse right now is that there are people out there who are compromising their own values just to stay safe. And I applaud people who are doing that. And whatever safety plan you can come up with in your head, whatever, if if you're in a household where there's an abuser and you also have children, make time to be one-on-one with your kids, tell stories of good times, And if you don't have a story of good time, make one up. Like make stories up, go into Never Never Land, create happiness within yourself and dream about what it will be like when you're not in this situation. And maybe this is a time of reflection of how long you've put up with the abuse and maybe you don't wanna have that anymore. Uh, You know, those types of self-help, you can get therapy right now and even through this crisis, there are, um, so you can, one or two things, you can reach out to the network agencies and they have a list of therapists who are available who specialize in domestic violence and sexual violence. I highly suggest using those resources to find a good therapist. That way, you know, that person has been vetted by, by that agency. And um, the Department of Health is also, you know, right now, really they've reached out to me how can, how can people help? Are you willing to help in certain ways? The Department of Health may have some resources as well of what you might do. And the shelters are open. So if you're feeling you know, threatened or um, like you don't wanna do this anymore, there are options for you. And so always consider those. But if you feel like this is a time that you have to stay in place, then maybe exercise, doing some of those other things, safety planning within your head, letting yourself down. Always, always be kind to yourself. Always be kind. There is, um, as hard as this is sometimes for me to even speak, but there's always a reason you've gone through something in your life. And, um, and Anna and I have shared our, right, that we have both been through something and we've used it as a catalyst to help others and to yeah. hopefully inspire others to heal. So um, your time will come too, right? That the healing can happen and the help. And there's agencies and there's people out there. I've, um, you know, I've accessed for my clients uh, those resources during this, uh, going into the fourth week. And, uh, you know, I'm just amazed at the shelter spaces who are willing in particular SACT has helped in circle in Washington County. And I'm just so grateful for that. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's so
0: important. And I think you just give so much good advice and thoughts. And I mean, yeah, like you and I both have been through hell and we've come out the other side and we know what it's like to sit in absolute fear, paralyzed by trauma. And, and we also know what it looks like to to dream into something different. Yeah. Yes. And and that it's a long journey. It's a long journey to get there. But that would be my, my offering is just if this is a time where you can start to dream in, even to just escape your reality, start to do that. Mm-hmm. Because it's it takes you outside of it, even if it's just in your own mind and I think can start to help create a new reality on the other side.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yes. Um, as we start to kind of wind down, what do you think right now, like as we've gone through some of this, and I might chime in too, but what can we do to be good community members and neighbors during this time for people who, you know, are survivors, isolated alone, who may be in an abusive situation in their isolation, may be grieving? What can we do as good community members and neighbors right now?
1: Kind. Kindness is the word. Um, Be kind and empathetic, say hello, check in, don't isolate. We have older neighbors um, and we have been checking in with them from a distance, like yelling. Hi, yeah. are you guys okay? And we've actually delivered eggs. We have chickens, so we've delivered eggs in um, cardboard cart uh, cartons because that seems to be the less transferable. We leave a, we tell them we've dropped them at your door, wait a half an hour, and then you can bring them in. But you can deliver those types of things in certain ways. We looked, we looked up how could we deliver eggs in the best way that was sanitary, um, and so the egg carton, uh, you know, was the best way through cardboard. So we're doing things like that and just saying hi and checking in. We have another, we have a single mom down the road, so we've checked in with her, like how you doing, uh, you know, that type of stuff. So just checking in with people who. Maybe you don't always check in with them. Maybe you don't. Maybe in other times you'd be like, "Why would I text her? I'm not. I wouldn't ever text her." This is the time. Yes, be a good neighbor. Text, um, send an email, uh, those types of things. But really, being a good neighbor and also understand where people are at. So we have neighbors um, on the one side of us who are not as hyper aware as we are. So they're like, we're good. We're good. You know, they're, they're still like going out and doing things and we're not. And so just, but that's cool. Like that's where they're at. They're fine. And just honor and respect that like everybody's in a different place and that's okay. And this is a nice reminder of how we can all be in different places and still love each other and, and offer kindness. So um, one thing that the, um, some of the neighbors, now we live a little bit of a distance apart from each other. So on Saturday night, one neighbor was doing fireworks, and then another neighbor answered it with
0: fireworks. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> fireworks
1: back and forth. And I was like, this is fantastic. I love this.
0: That's awesome.
1: Um, and all three of us were having fires. So, you know, and you could see like the smoke and the things, and you're like, hey, <laughs> over
0: there. That's awesome.
1: But just those small things to uh, um, have some connection and uh, just rem- reminding yourself to that if you have anxiety about the, uh, about people coming into your space, then you make sure that you distance, right? Some people don't have that same anxiety right now. They're, so they're like stepping into the six feet, you know, and you're like, nah. no. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um step back. It's okay. We're all in different places. And yes, love your pets, spend time yes. with things. Um, today, we're going, to, we're going to do an art project. I'm not very great at art, but we're going to do one. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to yeah. do things outside of the box. We're, we have a puzzle, a 2000 piece puzzle that we have started and everybody takes a little bit of time to sit down with it. So just do those types of things and ask your neighbors about
0: it and um, check in. Awesome. I love all that. Yeah, we've been doing shopping for our neighbors um, who are a little bit older. Um, and then in return, they got like a fish delivery. So they're like, we have scallops for you. It's like, well, this is great. So thank you. Um, yeah. And just, you know, just checking in on people, waving when you walk, saying hello, Um And then calling, like, I'm just trying to remember to call my friends who are, you know, are alone, um, you know, have gone through similar traumas as me. Um, just trying to be really cognizant to call people who,
1: who might be isolated. Yeah.
0: And who have the same history as me or whatever it might be just to check in on them.
1: Yeah. One of the other things that I did for my parents, um, is I ordered Omaha steaks for them. I Just like, you know, let's order some food for my parents because um, my dad has leukemia. So uh, it's not safe for him to be out. And my stepmom is amazing and she's, you know, quarantining as best she can. But I just was like, I'm going to send some food to them. I sent my mom like laundry detergent because she was like, I need laundry detergent. I was like, no, yo, yo, I'll send it to you. Yeah. You know, like those simple things that can help um, you know, our neighbors in any sort of way. You can order food now through all these online things. Both of my parents do PS of the Omaha steaks have been a huge hit. <laughs> that's know, awesome. You can order full meals for them, but all those types of things not just for our parents but for our neighbors too just to show love and kindness. Um, one thing that I've thought about is I I feel like I'm actually saving money because I'm a coffee drinker and I was like you know, three times a week, getting a fancy foo-foo coffee for $5. I'm like, that's $15 a week. I'm saving that I could help somebody else out, you know, and try and do those things. This is another opportunity to go through clothes and things that you might not want or need so that you can donate it to your shelter when it's time, Uh, you know, because those things are going to be needed. When we do slowly come out of this, people are going to have some needs. So this is the time, like go through stuff that you might not need or Um, Yeah. And and if you can donate financially, donate to your local
0: food shelter. There's so many people who are going to be needing food that didn't in the past. Donate to your different um, domestic violence shelters. Um, Just if you've got a few bucks, even if it's just five, just donate. It makes a difference. (coughs) Oh, sorry. My dog is barking. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um so with that like as we're winding down is there anything else you feel like you would like to share today for listeners? I know we've covered so many topics in a short amount of time.
1: Yeah, I think um you know, I'm a big brain person Anna, around like how much what capacity does our limbic system have to hold um to hold what's happening? And with that, you know, we have the capacity to hold so much in our brains. And so just reminding ourselves of that, like the kindness that we give to others, we should be giving to ourselves too. And, and allowing ourselves, even the strongest of self, like, you know, I, I, I consider myself a strong person. People come to me for support, but I reached out last week when I was having a hard day. It sort of hit me like, huh, I'm gonna be home. <laughs> well, this isn't like vacation. I'm not a staycation person. I'm an extrovert. So this is a very different experience for me, right? So um, just to, I want everybody to have kindness, not only for others, but for themselves. And we have the capacity to handle so much. And if you're feeling like you're over capacity, turn off the news. Yes. Turn off the news. Just take one day away from it. You're not going to miss anything except horrible things, right? Yep. You're not going to miss anything because if you are, someone's going to text you, did you miss the horrible thing, (laughs) right?
0: Right. Absolutely. I haven't watched the news in like several days. I'm like, don't need to already finding out what's happening. I'm all right. I had
1: done the same thing. And then I watched yesterday and then I was like, why did I do that? Yeah. (laughs) It's just bad stuff. Um, So, you know, be kind to yourself, take that time. And, uh, you know, if you're in crisis, there is help out there. Uh, and please know that you're filled up with, with re- resilience. And resilience is something that is learned. We're not born with that, right? The studies show that our brains aren't actually born with the emotion of resilience. It's something that is happens over time to people. And all of us are going to walk away with that at this point. And, you know, if you're struggling with understanding how this isolation is working, maybe you're an extrovert like me and you're feeling like, oh, my God, I need people. One thing that I have sort of paused with is that is noticing children. You know, they're really happy. My kids are really happy to be home right now and have this time. And so I think if we can remember those types of things, the gratefulness, thing, things we can be grateful for, and, um, and kindness is everything towards ourselves and others. Love it. Thank you. Thank
0: you so much, Kira, for being here today. It's just been a pleasure and an honor having you on the show again. Um, I always love connecting with you. And I just am so glad that I got to have your voice here to share with everyone during this time. Yeah, thank Um, you so much. I feel like, you know, if I could close today with one positive message, it would be be kind and you're not alone. Um, I don't know if you have a parting message as well, but that's just what's resonating with me after all of this
1: yeah, I think the same. be kind. I mean there's if there's other things that you're looking to help others, you know, maybe thinking about recognizing what they're going through, respond appropriately, uh, resist trying to you know, retraumatize someone with whatever they're going. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just a summary of you are not alone and be kind and we're gonna all figure this out together and maybe the next time Anna and I meet we'll talk about uh the the trauma-informed responses we can have to people as we come out of this week
0: Uh, because I think that's
1: going to be a big thing of how do we respond to all of us going back to work because there is going to be a response so um so maybe some tips on that Anna. you and I can do
0: later sounds Uh, lovely I would love to have you back on um Thank you so much, Kira, for being here today. Um, it's just been such a joy to have Kira Cryer here on The Mend. Um, as always, if you have any ideas or questions about the show, I'd love to hear from you. You can contact me at anna@standupresources.com. at StandUpResources.com. I'm your host, Anna Nasset, with my co-host, Dolly Parton, here today. And I look forward to sharing more with you every other week here on The Mend. Be well, be strong, and stay safe. Thank you.